Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. I love sharing Torah classes, and thank you for listening to this episode. Feel free to follow and to share with others so they too can enjoy the Torah classes on this podcast. Now, on to the episode. Okay, let's get started. Today's daf Masech is Gittin, Esamach Aleph, 61. <clears throat> We're starting the last line of, of uh, Samach and Beis. And we have three sections in today's daf. So the first section is going to be the last four halachas of the Mishnah that were established because of Darkei Shalom. We'll explain them, the reasonings behind them. The second section is going to be a discussion about when it's permitted or prohibited to support certain people that are engaged in acts that may be prohibited. For example, the wife of an Aretz or somebody suspected of Shvius, a Machlekes Abayin Rava, explanation of the Mishnah. And in the last section is going to be a discussion of the concern if that the Eishes uh, Amaaris is going to swap something, creating an issue or not, which we'll get to at the end. So we're starting here at the bottom of Samachman Bey's Mitsuda is Chayevaifas Vedagim Geish Bahen. So we said in the Mishnah like this. This was the fourth of the Dark Yeshalams. We said that there were these were actually three of the examples in the Mishnah where there was a Machlokis Tanakama and Rabyosi. So this was the first of those three, which was the fourth Dark Yeshalam of our Mishnah, which said that if there are traps that somebody laid out for wild animals, birds, or fish, then there would be an issue of gazelle, of thievery, because of Dark Yeshalam, which means if I would catch something in my net and then somebody else would take it, that would be an issue of thievery, not on a Daraisa level, but because of Dark Yeshalam. Now Rabbi Yossi took it a step further. He said, actually, it's gazel gamur. It's not just Dark Yeshalam type gazel, but it's genuine gazel, which we're going to have to explain in the Gemara today. What do you mean genuine? What's the difference? They're both Rabbanan. So let's see. So says the Gemara, before we get to that, that con- explanation, but first the Gemara just wants to explain what's the case of the year. So where the traps capture an animal, there would be an issue of gazel, of thievery, if somebody would take it from my trap because of Dark Yeshalom. So the Gemara explains, but Uzli ve'ohari, <coughs> when it comes to Uzli and Ohari, so these are types of nets that have some sort of an interior that actually catches the animal. Uh, Ozli is a string net, Ari are reeds or bulrushes, turning to Samachalaf Modalif. But Rashi says the point is they have an interior. So when they capture something, they genuinely own that thing. They genuinely hold that thing. So Kuliamalopligi, then there's no debate, meaning everybody would agree, Tanakam and Rabyosi, that would be an acquisition on a Daraisa level. If somebody would take it out of that type of a trap, that's genuine thievery for sure on a Daraisa level. Kipligi, the debate between Tanakam and Rabyosi is belechi vikukari. Now, lechi is a hook and kukari is a cord. So there used to be, this was like a less uh, significant type of trap where they would have hooks inside of a river, for example, or across the river they would, ru- they would run some sort of a string that had metal objects connected to it and they would catch fish in such a way. Now, there's no interior in this case. So here you're not actually being kona, at least on a daraisa level. Since you're not kona on a daraisa level, here, either it's going to be gezel if somebody takes from that because of Darke Shalom, or it's going to be gezel because of rabbinically. Now, we're going to have to explain in momentarily what's the difference between those two, because they both seem rabbinic, so that's what we're going to see in a minute. Yeah. The, the stream is public stream. Public stream, Lachara, yeah, yeah. 
The Gemara continues, hey, this was the fifth case of the Mishnah. We said, what is the uh, fifth case where there was a found object, someone found an object who was a Cheres Shot Vikatan. So a, uh, de- a deaf and dumb person, a Shot, a deranged person, or a Katan found an item. So now their Kenyan isn't effective on a Dairaisa level. So again, Tanakama said to steal that from them would be an issue of Dark Shalom, which is a problem. Rabbi says, Rabbi Yossi, Yomar Gezel Gomor. Yomar Chizda, Gezel Gomor Midivrayim. When Rabbi Yossi says Gezel Gomor, he means a rabbinic Gezel Gomor. So Lamai Nafkaminas. Now what's the difference between the Tanakama and Rabbi Yossi? They're both talking about rabbinically enacted rulings. So the more answer is Lahotzio B'dayanin. The difference between them would be to the Katan found an item. And then somebody went and stole it from the Katan. Could the Katan take that guy to court and, and remove it from that fellow that it belongs to him? According to the Tanakama, certainly it's not a nice thing to do, but he can't remove it from that, that uh, person who took it from him in court because in the end of the day, it's all because of Darkish Shalom. It's not a real Kenyan. So it's unfortunate, but that's the reality. According to Rabbi he says it's Gezal Gomor Midivrehem, that it's actually thievery, Midrabanan. What that would mean is, is actually that Katan would bring this guy to court and would remove it in court from that Gadol who took it from him because it's considered genuine thievery. Okay, now the sixth case of the Mishnah was, Ani Amenakif Barosha Zayis, Masha Tachta So we said if there's an Ani knocking down olives from the top of a tree. Now this is a Hefker type tree. It was maybe the gifts to the poor, whatever it was, it was Hefker. He's knocking, Peya maybe, it was something that was mutter for sure. He's knocking down olives, and then the olives gather under him, and somebody comes along and chops those olives that the Ani's been knocking down. Yeah, literally. Now, obviously, the Ani's been knocking it down for himself. We all could tell he was just going to knock them down and then gather them after. And he had the right to do it. And he had the right to do it. So this is the same machlokas. Tanakama said again is that this is an issue of gezel because of Darke Shalom, and Rabbi Yossi said it's gezel gamor. So Tana the Brisa teaches like this. Masha Tata Brisa. Tana the Brisa teaches imliket venasan beyad. When the Mishnah says it's only an issue of Darke Shalom, that's just where he's knocking it down with his hand, but he never actually held the olives for a moment. But imliket venasan beyad. If he picked the olives and placed them in his hand, meaning. He picked them and he put them on the ground into the basket or whatever it was on the ground. The point is he held it for a moment. That's Gezel Gomer because that's a Kenyan. Then he's done a Kenyan on it. And then for sure, if somebody takes it, that would be Usser and it would have to return. Now, the Gemara tells us a story, incidentally, with Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana Kahana was going to a place called Hutzel. He saw a certain person. He was throwing sticks at an olive tree to knock down the olives. Now, it looked like he hadn't actually held the olives in his hand. He was throwing sticks, and it would knock the olives off the tree. So Azar of Kahana went, So he took some of those olives, and he ate them. I guess he figured that uh, the Mufarish would speak out of here, because even if he thought he didn't pick it up with his hand, it would still be an issue of Darkish Shalom. So he thought this guy was maybe an idolater. I Meaning he had some cheshman, why it would be mutter, but he thought the guy hadn't picked it up with his hand. So this fellow who was throwing the stick said, no, you don't realize, I held it with my hand. And since I held it with my hand, I, I actually made a Kenyan. You cannot just take it like that. So Amr Leir Rav Kahana responded, and he said, 
you're from the place of Rabbi Yoshia. Rabbi Yoshia is from Hutzel. And he said, Kari Alei, he called up Rabbi Yoshia, Fetzadik Yisoyed Olam. Fetzadik is the basis of the world. Now, what does that mean? Meaning, Rabbi Yoshia, as Rashi explains, is a very interesting point, is Rabbi Yoshia was the rabbi in Hutzel. <coughs> and he used to teach Dine Momenis rulings in public. One of the things that he would darshan was Dine Momenis. He wanted everyone to know about so he said, you must have listened to the shiurim of Rabbi Yoshia because you know the laws of Dine Momenis and Rabbi Yoshia is a tzaddik yisod olam because he teaches Dine Momenis in such a degree. All right, this was the final of the Dark Yisholem. He said, He said, if a guy comes and starts to collect, a poor, a poor guy collects leket shikho peya, you don't protest against them. We say, because Dark Yisholem, maintain good relations with the guy. So Tan Rabban and the Brisa taught, on top of this, when it comes to supporting the poor, you support the poor Goyim with this poor Jewish people. The same so now, there is a law when it comes to tzedakah, you for sure have to give a Jew before a guy. In, in, in your town, in your place. In Correct, right. Your family, there, it, there's a whole order of precedences. But regarding this, we're going to see if they're both there, to some degree you should give both because of Dark Shalom. Yes, yes, yes. Also, you visit sick goyim with sick Jews. Meaning, if there's you go to a hospital and then there's a, a separate room, you do you're both. Yeah, yeah. You're treated then. That's a different story. I'm visiting. But yeah, treating for sure. That's your job. But we're talking about where you're going to do a mitzvah and there's a guy in the room. Dark Yishalom. We also bury the dead of the Goyim with the dead of the Jews. So Rashi speaks that it doesn't mean you bury Goyim in a Jewish cemetery. It means if there's found to be that there's dead people, you'll take care of them. But obviously it means you don't bury them in the Jewish cemetery. We're very careful about this. All of these are because of Dark Shalom. It's really this is not something we necessarily have to do, but it's important to maintain peaceful relations. That's the point. Coming from a small town where there are not too many Jews, one of the first things they did, they let a plot form, and they, that's why they buried the, the Jews. They mm -hmm. put up things all around. And mm -hmm. They made a mikvah there so they can do the tahara of where they yeah. Okay, now this new mission, the second my section of the day. I hear? My, my grandparents did. <clears throat> second section of the day, this, this uh, Mishnah deals with Machzikian Oivreyavera. So what does that mean? Like this. If you're involved in an Avera, I certainly can't support you in your mission. It's Asr. I have to dissuade you from your mission, but certainly not to support you in your mission. That would be prohibited. So the scenario we're going to deal with is two cases over here. We have one case is you have a Chaver. Chaver is a person that's a Talmud Chacham, keeps the Alacha. You have Ama Aretz. They don't keep the Alacha. Now let's just go with a simple assumption over here. <coughs> the, the first one we're going to deal with actually is Chashud ala Shvius. Is a woman that's suspected about Shvius. We know when it comes to the Shemitah year, there was a certain period which was called Sha'as Biur, which is when they had to get rid of the produce that was no longer in the fields. Now what that meant was, if there were no more apples in the fields during the Shemitah year, you have to put all your apples out in the fields. Subsequently, you can acquire apples again, but you've got to get rid of them. That's the act of Biur. And somebody that doesn't do that, the fruits that they keep in their house remain they remain and they, they're prohibited. They actually become problematic. So the first case we're going to deal with is if the wife of a chaver wants to go and support, we'll see, in preparation or lend certain kalim to a woman is, who is suspected about not fulfilling shas biur, to not do that properly, 
We'll see what the law is regarding that. And the second law we're going to deal with is a woman who is the wife of a chaver, a wife of a Talmud Chacham, is she allowed to go and engage in, again, lending kalim, engage in pre- preparation of foods with the wife of an Ama Aretz? Now, the wife of an Ama Aretz, the suspicion is they don't take off trumas and maestros. Let's take it as a simple shot. Again, so maybe preparing foods with them could create an issue because you're supporting to some degree production of foods that are going to be problematic. So we'll see. So that's the Gemara. So Mishnah says like this. So the first one is like this. A woman of the wife of a chaver can lend to her friend who is suspected about Shvius Rashi says about keeping the produce beyond the bior time, beyond the time that they're supposed to get rid of them, which makes those produce asr. Nonetheless, the wife of the chaver is allowed to lend her nafa, sifter, tfara, siv, verechayim, a hand milvatanur, as well as an oven. So she can lend her all of these kalim, and we're not concerned she's supporting over avera because if anything would be indirect, you're not actually doing anything problematic. You can lend these sorts of kalim. Avolaitanur, we'll see, we'll see, this is because of Dark Yeshalom, though. But she cannot sift or grind the produce with her. Why is she not allowed to do it with her? Because if she would do it with her, you'd be actively doing something problematic in support of the of the woman who's suspected on Shavias, and that would be problematic. Now, this case number two. The wife of a Talmud Chacham, she can lend to the wife of an Ama Aretz. Okay, so she's allowed to lend these kalim to her. Now, again, we're suspicious. She doesn't take off Trumas and Maestras. So the Mishnah continues. Now, she's also allowed to uh, sift, or separate, and techenes and grind, and sift. Ima uh, together with her. So she's actually allowed to engage in these food preparatory behaviors with the wife of the Amaaretz as well. But once water is put into the flour, she's not allowed to touch those produce things anymore. Now Rashi explains why. Well, sorry, before that, the Mishnah says, We cannot support the hands of those who are engaged in sin. So Rashi explains like this. We know when water or one of the liquids that causes something to become tame or able to become tame touches produce, now it's fitting to become tame, which means if it touches tuma, now it becomes problematic. So Rashi explains like this, that the halacha is this woman, Eishas Chaver, can go through the procedure, say grind the wheat with this wife of Anama Aretz. So far it's okay, but the problem is we, we assume the kalim of Anama Aretz are tame. So if she would engage in mixing the dough after it's become wet already, the, the water's been placed in it, and you're mixing it in the kalim of the amaretz, which are tameh, once it's become already a dough, it's already chayv and chala. So now what you're really doing is you're contaminating it via the kalim of the amaretz, and that's going to be already too much. That's already machzik in yedei oivrei avera to a degree that she's not allowed to engage engage in anymore. That's that's the idea here. So, the Mishnah Gemara will explain more. But the but the Mishnah clarifies if it cool on all of these leniencies that we said, that they're allowed to lend kalim, engage in the behaviors with them, lo amra elam if darke shalom. It was only an allowance because of darke shalom. means really, in the starting place, you'd say, you shouldn't lend these kalim because they might use them for avera. You shouldn't engage in these behaviors because it might be supporting a nei darke shalom between Talmide Chacham and Amaratzim People that don't keep halacha, even we, we, we allow it. Good neighbor, good neighbor, which is a big deal. 
Now the Mishnah finishes off with a third and final case. We can support Goyim on Shemitah. Now Rashi says, it sounds like here you can actually support them directly. We'll see what that means in the Gemara. But you can't support Jews on Shemitah. We'll see what the difference is. It's a very interesting halacha. When you say Shalom Aleichem, Shalom is the name of Hashem. So really what you're saying is you're giving them a bracha to some degree, utilizing Hashem's name. So the Mishnah here tells us you can say Shalom to a guy, even to a guy, you can use Shalom, which is the name of Hashem, because of Darkei Shalom. The Gemara will explain this more. That's what the implication of the Mishnah is. Though. You say shalom. Yeah, yeah. Says the Gemara, um, obvious question. What's the difference between the Reisha and the Seifa? We said when it came to the woman who suspected on Shemitah produce that she didn't do the Bior properly, you're not allowed to engage in these food preparatory behaviors with her. You're only allowed to lend the Caleb. And in the Seifa, we said, you are allowed, the wife of the Chavar is allowed to engage in the preparation of these uh, grains with the Eishes uh, Ama'aretz, as long as the water hasn't come into the produce yet. So why is it that the Eishes Ama'aretz, the Chavar is allowed to engage with, but not with the, um, not with the woman that's suspected on Shemitah? She's not allowed to engage in these uh, food preparatory ideas. Right. So we have two Turutsim for this. Amar Abayi is the first answer. Abayi says, Roi Ama'aretz Ma'asr and Abayi says, the reason is, because the majority of Amea Aretz take off maestros. So therefore, when it came to the wife of the Chavar, uh, grinding up wheat, let's say, with the wife of the Amea Aretz, you don't have to suspect that there's real tumah going on, there's genuine issue here, because most Amea Aretz do take off uh, maestros. Since most of them, not tumah, excuse me, you don't have to worry that there's an issue of maestros, that they're going to not take off the proper maestros, because he says it's not true, most of them do take off maestros. So because of Darke Shalom, Chazal said you're allowed to engage in uh, these behaviors with them. Versus Hashud al Rashi explains, when it comes to such a woman, it sounds like we really suspect her that she didn't do the viewer properly, there you can't engage with her. Rav Amarav says a different answer. So Rav says, really it could be, it's 50-50 regarding Meisters, meaning we don't know when it comes to Amea Aretz if they take off Meisters or not. But when we're speaking in our Mishnah about an Amea Aretz, we're not talking about the classic situation where she's suspected about Trumas and Meisters. But we're talking about the definition of an Ama Aretz as defined by Rabbi Meir. And we're talking about Tuma and Tahara that is rabbinically problematic. Now, what does that mean? We're going to see in a moment that when it comes to, let's say, Truma, for example, everybody agrees, Truma, you can't make Tame. That's not a question. The question is, what about Chulin? So what the Gemara is going to show is Rabbi Meir defines an Ama Aretz as somebody that contaminates his chulin, even. That's the definition of an ama'aretz. Now, that's not a dairaisa issue. That's only a rabbinic issue. What the Gemara is going to say is, since that's only a rabbinic issue, and that's the ama'aretz we're talking about in our Mishnah, because of dark Sholem, you can engage in grinding the wheat of chulin with the ama'aretz, because that's only a rabbinic problem, and that's not a dairaisa issue. The Tanya, as the Brisa explains, Ezu ama'aretz, what is the definition of an ama'aretz? We had this in Sota, actually. Someone that does not eat their chulin in a state of purity, those are the words of Reb Meir. The Chacham say, no, it's somebody who doesn't take off trumas and maestros. So what, what the Gemara is saying, Rava's answer is, 
In the case of our Mishnah, that the reason the wife of the Chavar can engage with the wife of the Ama Aretz is because we're talking about an Ama Aretz who doesn't eat their chul in Bitahara. That's only a rabbinic issue. Since it's a rabbinic issue, you're allowed to engage with her. But if it was a Dairaisa issue, certainly you wouldn't be allowed to engage uh, with the wife of the Ama Aretz. Asks the Gemara, Bahamidikatani, but Akashan Rava, but the end of the Mishnah taught. I mean, the Gitani is safe for the fact that the end of the Mishnah taught that when the water is placed in the, uh, in the flour and it becomes dough, you can no longer touch the dough. The wife of the Amar, the wife of the Chavar has to back off and not be involved. So Michlalis would imply that the Resha is not talking about an issue of Tuma and Tahara, meaning the fact that the Mishnah goes out of its way to emphasize in the end of the Mishnah that once the water is put into it, there's a Tuma issue, as we explain, because the Kalim will now contaminate the dough, creating such an issue. So the Gemara says, what do you see, Lechora? That the Resha, it seems to be that that's not the concern. And if that's not the concern in the Resha, so it must be that the concern is, um, <clears throat> it must be that the concern is, one second. Right. And if we're talking, like Rameir explains, right? if we're talking about somebody who's believed about Meisers, as Rameir explains, as the Rava explained, and the only issue is they're eating their chulin in a state of tumah, so the problem is, why is it an issue of dark yeshal? And Tarashi explains the question. But asking this, let me explain that outside again. So Rava's answer is, we're not worried about uh, when it comes to Tuma and Tahar over here. That's not what we're discussing. We're not worried about, sorry, Maestras. Maestras, we assume this person takes off. The issue is they're eating their chulin in a state of Tuma. That's an issue to Rabbanan, so Dark Yishalom allows that. Asks the Gemara, but one second. The implication is from the Seifa. The Seifa teaches us that when it comes to putting the water in, the Aishas Chavar has to back off. And since she has, why does she have to back off? Because then there's a Tuma issue that you'd be contaminating the, the Chala that now is Mechuya because of the mixture of water and flour. The problem is, according to Rava, the Reish is talking about where she's believed about Maestras. So then why is this only an issue of Dark Shalom? If it's true that the Seifa is an issue of Tumah, it's Mashmah the Reish is not an issue of Tumah, as we've explained, because it only emphasizes that in the Seifa. So then there's no Dark Shalom issue here altogether, because meaning there's no reason to have a Dark Shalom issue. The Allah should be, you're allowed to engage with her in grinding because there's no Tumah issue, and there's no, there's no Maeser issue. So the Gemara answers, Reisha v'Seifa b'Tuma v'Tahara. Really, both the Reisha and Seifa are dealing with a scenario of Tuma and Tahara. I Means Rameir, a rubber retains his position. It's talking about an Ama Aretz like Rameir. They're trusted to take off Trumas and Maestras. That's not the issue here. The issue is they're not going to eat their Chulin in a state of Tahara. The difference is, is that the Reisha is talking about where you're dealing with Tumas Chulin, meaning before the water's put in. Before it became dough, there's no chiyuv of chala. Since there's no chiyuv of chala, you're not talking about a dairaisa issue here. You're talking about contaminating chulin, which is only drabbanan. So there, because of dark shalom, the ashes chavar can work with the ashes ama aretz. But the safe is talking about where you've already mixed the water and flour yeah, making dough. It's hutvelul lechala, which means it's chayiv and chala. Now being so involved is an iser dairaisa. There you can't engage. Asks the Gemara Veraminu. But I'll show you a stira to this sack. We're about to show that there is a, a, a brisa that seems to contradict the way we've just concluded. The 
Raisa says, that you're allowed to grind a chaver, means a Talmud Chacham, can grind up his wheat and he can deposit it for watching Store. by Store it by those people who are people that eat Shemitah produce, we do the wrong thing, as well as those who eat their fruits generally in a state of Tumah. Now we're assuming this means those who eat their chulin in a state of Tumah. So you're allowed to grind up your produce, give it to those people that eat Shemitah, as well as general chulen in a state of Tumah. Avaloi, but says the Braisa, However, you're not allowed to grind up the produce that belongs to those who eat their Shemitah or fruits in general in a state of Tumah. You can't grind it up for them asks the Gemara, but we just said in the Mishnah, you are allowed to work with them. And here we're saying, you're not allowed to grind up their produce for them. So it seems to be a contradiction. So Rabaye, you know, this is really a Kashan Rava. So the Gemara says, what do you see, Lechaira? You see, you're not allowed to. Rava's saying that the scenario of uh, our mission is talking about where we're concerned they're going to eat their chulin in a state of tumah, and you are allowed to engage with them. The Brisa seems to be saying that in that scenario, you're not allowed to engage with them. And this is not a kash on Abaye, but Abaye as- answers the question on behalf of Rav Amr Abaye. Hasam, over there, The Brisa is talking about a case. We're not just talking about somebody suspected of eating chulin in a state of tumah. We're talking about an ama'aretz of a kohen, a kohen who's suspected of eating truma in a state of tumah. So there, to grind up their produce, you would be supporting an iser da'iraisa potentially, and that's why you have to back off. Da'avale tumah da'iraisa. That would be tumah da'iraisa. Yachid the Gemara says, if that's true, that the Bryce is talking about where it's a kohen and you're dealing with grinding up his truma, mafkidin, would you be allowed to deposit your truma by him? The Gemara assumes if the safe is talking about where you can't grind up his truma, so the ratio would be where you could grind up your truma and give it to him. And the ratio of the Brysa says, you are allowed to grind up your truma and deposit it by the Kohen. Veraminu, the problem is, the Brysa elsewhere says, Brysa number two, mafkidin truma etzel Yisrael that you are allowed to deposit your truma by Yisrael, who's an Amaaretz. We're not suspected that he's going to touch it. But veloye etzel Kohen Amaaretz, you can't give your truma to a Kohen Amaaretz, because he has a certain affinity towards truma. He feels like it's something he owns. So there you cannot give it to a Kohen Amaretz. So if the Bryce is really talking about a Kohen Amaretz and you're not allowed to grind up his produce because you're supporting an Isra Daraisa, how could you give your truma to him to watch? Amr Abilah, is such a thing. Amr Abilah answers, you made a precautionary measure. What did you do? It was a perfectly sealed earthenware vessel. Now, a perfectly sealed earthenware vessel that the seal remains on, you touch it from the outside, it's not going to become Tomei. So, Mamela, you can give that over to him to watch because he'll leave a gaspa. You'll know if he touched it, and he's not going to touch it. So, the Gemara says, Maybe you should be concerned. The halach is if Anida moves it, it'll contaminate the truma inside. Maybe his wife will move it when she's Anida, and that will contaminate it. So, how are you allowed? 
says no problem. The difference between the two brysas is as follows. The first bright, the second brysa, where it says you cannot deposit your truma by a koyanama aretz, is where the produce you're dealing with already was hukshiru lekabel tuma, means it already had come in contact with the liquid, making it susceptible to tuma. So to give that to a koyan now would be a problem because maybe he'll touch it if he's an ama aretz. And Khan, the first brysa, where you could deposit it by the koyan, the it's talking about produce that had not yet become susceptible to be mekabel tuma, and therefore, even if he does touch it, it won't make it contaminated. So therefore, there's no issue. Asks the Gemara of Raminu. We have a kasha from a third source, which is a Mishnah in Demai. If somebody gives his grains, his wheat, to a grind, someone who would grind it, who was a kusi, or to a grinder who was an amaaretz, we say that the, we assume the kusi or the amaaretz did not uh, change it. It remains in its st- status for meiser or for shmita. means if he had fixed it up before, it's considered fixed up still. Shmita purposes also. We don't look at it as being an issue. Avaloi letuma, but says the, the Mishnah, we don't look at it as continued to be in its way regarding tuma. means we suspect that he touched it. So, you see over here, says the Gemara, we do suspect that he touches it and he contaminates it. What kind of a question was that? We already explained, we already established that the first b'risa was that the produce was not fit to be mekabel tuma yet because it hadn't yet come in contact with the liquid. This Mishnah and Demai is where it was fit to be mekabel tuma, and therefore you have to assume the Amaretz touched it and made it tame. So the Gemara says that doesn't make any sense to ask such a question. So when you initially asked the question, what were you bothered by? So the Gemara says really the question wasn't on our prior sugya, Really, from the end of it, we want to ask another question on a different point. So the Gemara says, Really, we wanted to ask a different contradiction based on this Mishnah. We'll see from another Mishnah in Demai. Because the Mishnah here says, if you give your produce to an Ama Aretz, you could It retains its status for Meiser or Shemitah purposes. The implication is, regarding if it was uh, Meiser was taken off or this was Shemitah produce, you can re- assume it's the same thing. But the implication of the Mishnah is, We're not concerned that he swapped it out. That's the implication of the Mishnah in Demai. Is that if it was if it was uh, something you had taken maestros off, you could assume it's the same thing. We're not concerned he swapped it. There's going to be a contradiction. The problem is there's another Mishnah in Demai that says, Very interesting. If he gives his grain, his produce, to his mother-in-law, or his dough. So you have a son-in-law who's a Talmud Chacham. His mother-in-law is an Ama Aretz, married to an Ama Aretz. Now, what he does is he tells his mother-in-law, if you want to prepare bread for me, you have to go to the mikvah first, because if you're Tameh, it would, it would create Tumah in the dough. So his mother-in-law is very caring and sensitive. She goes to the mikvah, she purifies herself, and then she comes to make this dough for him. He gives the dough to his mother-in-law. The, bride, the Mishnah says in Demai, Me'aser es shehu law he has to take off Meiser before he gives it to her. And the reason is because she might swap it, eat that, and then he'll inadvertently be giving her something that wasn't properly Ma'asered. So therefore, you have to take off Meiser before. Ve'es shehu As well as what he takes back from her. Because we suspect maybe she'll exchange it if she messes it up. Maybe she'll botch the dough. She'll want to make it good for her son-in-law, so she'll throw this one away, and take her own grains, which are problematic, so he'd have to take off Maestro's twice. And you see, what do you suspect? That Ame Aretz do swap it out, but our Mishnah in Demai, we quote it, says it, they don't. Yeah.
So the Gemara answers. Yeah, different story, but that's part of it. Hasim, so the Gemara says, no, that's not a kasha. Get the katani time. Let's just try to go through this quickly to finish up. So there in the Mishnah and Demai, the second Mishnah with the, uh, what mother-in-law, Amr of Yehuda, the reason that we say over there we're suspicious that she that she swapped it, because No, generally they wouldn't exchange it. There, she's she wants to fix up for her daughter, and she's embarrassed for, in front of her son-in-law if she gives back a shvacha chala, shvacha dough. So therefore, in order to make it good, we do suspect she would swap it out. But in general, we don't have to have such or, a suspicion. Ask the Gemara, but you're saying in general we don't suspect Amaya Aret swap it out. The problem is the Mishnah and Demai says, if somebody gives a, a, a innkeeper, means he gives, there's a, a, he's a yeshiva bacher, he's staying, he's learning Torah in town, and he goes, he, he eats at a certain woman's house. He's staying at a certain woman's house, a motel, a hotel, or whatever it is, an inn, and she takes care of him. So he gives her dough. To make uh, bread for him. Again, since she's an Amaaret, he has to take off Meiser before he gives it to her, as well as whatever he gets back from her, because she'll exchange it. So the Gemara says again, she's not his mother in law, and still you suspect that she exchanges it. The Gemara says, no, Hasim, it's the same idea. There, Moria Amra, she'll validate the exchange and say as follows the Yeshiva Bachar should eat. Uh, warm bread, I'll eat the cold bread. Means she could exchange, she could validate what she's doing by saying, I'd want the yeshiva bacher to eat the better bread. So there's a reason to be suspicious. Asks the Gemara of Akati I'll bring you a third raya that we're still suspicious outside general people of, of Ame Arts of, of swapping out the dough. Vahatanya, the problem is the Brysa says, that the wife of a chaver. Is allowed to grind up grains with the wife of an ama aretz bizman shehi temeya. It's very interesting when the wife of the chaver is temeya is anida. So she was very careful about what she would touch and what she wouldn't touch. This is something that we have very little shaykhs to today. They used to be very careful because tomentara was a real thing. It still is a real thing, but we don't have so much of a shaykhs with it. And therefore, when she was anida, she'd very very careful what she would touch and what she wouldn't touch. Avaloi bizman but she's not allowed to grind up produce with the wife of the ama aretz when she's tahora, because we're concerned that she might reach over and take something and eat it. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar Aymer, af bizman she itmer, Rabbi Shimon says, even when she's temeya loititachin, she's not allowed to grind the wheat with the wife of the Yama Aretz, but Mesha Chaverta, turning to Samach Bezim Aleph, noisenes lavoi cheles, because her friend who's the Yama Aretz, even if she wouldn't reach over and take herself, the Yama Aretz friend might give her some of the produce that they're grind, that they're busy working with. So there's a genuine concern that she'll eat something thing, even if she's Tahora, which would be something that wasn't fixed up, wasn't um, asked properly. So the Gemara says, the Gemara concludes, Hashta Mignav Ganva, if we're suspicious that the wife of the Ama Aretz will steal from her husband and share with her friend, so is there not a reason to suspect that she'll swap out the dough altogether? So we're back to the original question, the first Mishnah we quoted, the implication from this Mishnah is, or Bryce says, excuse me, that there's a genuine concern that the wife of the, the Ama Aretz could swap things out. So how can the Mishnah, the Bryce say, the Mishnah say not? Rabbi Yosef, Hasam Nami, Moriyava Amra, no, it's the same thing. There she also validates it to feed her friend, Tura Midi The ox is eating from what it threshes, meaning to say, while she's working with me, it's only fair that I share a little bit of it with her. That's only the appropriate thing to do. 
But the Gemara concludes in general, we're not concerned that if you give an Amar its produce, they're going to exchange it, like the Mishnah and Demai we started off with implies. We're going to stop here at the top of Samach Beis. Amud Aleph, as Rashim will pick up tomorrow with Samach Beis. Everybody have a great day.